In a stadium rich with tradition. We have that here, and it reeks. And when you come in, teams take the field, they can feel it. The lights shine the brightest. Definitely playing at Camp Brandon is one of the best places to play in college football. This is the Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, and the Athletics' Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin, and joined by Jesse Temple from the Athletic. Well, Wisconsin moves to 2-0, and they did so in an impressive fashion, beating Central Michigan 61 to nothing. They have now outscored their opponents 110 to nothing. They're the first team, according to ESPN's stats and information account, they are the first team since 1980 to score at least 100 points and give up no points in their first two games. I'd say it's been a pretty good start. It's been pretty good. Uh, Captain Obvious. Yes, uh, Wisconsin got it done, and they did it in a little bit uh, different fashion than they normally do. 400 yards through the air, the first time they've been over 400 yards since 1993, and it's the first time they've been over 400 yards and actually won the game. They had done it twice before and lost both of those games, the 1963 Rose Bowl, the 1993 loss up in Minnesota. So it wasn't uh, all Jack Cohn, but Jack Cohn did a majority of it. 363 yards, three touchdowns, career highs for him, becomes the 11th quarterback in school history to hit that 300-yard mark and the first since Joel Stavi back in 2015. And it came on a couple of deep balls. He hit on some deep balls that we had been talking about last week, the ones that he missed against South Florida. We can officially say, I think we both thought that it was going to happen because we'd seen it in practice, Jack Cohn can throw the deep ball. He certainly can. That was one of the more impressive all-around performances that I've ever seen. This is my ninth season covering the program and probably goes without saying. But the thing that stood out to me and and the main story that I wrote from that game was the passing offense because last year you had the best running back in college football and it really didn't seem to matter a ton because you didn't have a passing game. You couldn't throw the ball downfield. Coaches didn't necessarily have that type of confidence that that they had in this game, and we were talking about this up in the press box, but Paul Christ's calling a timeout there. Central Michigan just finished second down. There's less than two minutes left. It's not even third down. You know, It's not even going to be fourth down, but Paul calls the timeout because he knows the defense is going to get a stop, and he knows the offense is going to move the ball, and that's what happens. And, and even though the offense missed a 51-yard field goal, I think that timeout spoke volumes about what he believes this offense can do. It was just special all the way around. They've got more weapons than they've had in quite some time. They have, and we'll get into the weapons in general. But Jack Cohn, you know, this was the type of thing that people were waiting to see. And I, and look, no one, I don't think any of us thought it was going to be 363 yards and three touchdowns and look as good as it did. But there's been confidence that this is the type of quarterback Jack can be when the other team is stacking the, the box as much as... Central Michigan did, and as much as South Florida did as well. And the plays were there to be made against South Florida. He didn't make him, but back home for the first time. That's his sixth start, and it's the first time at home. Uh, he's he he certainly looked as good as you possibly could probably hope from him. No, I mean I don't. What, I mean, what more could you want from him? Oh, I don't think he. I don't think he could have done much more. I mean, I thought it was interesting after the game. We had an opportunity to talk to Quintez Cephas, and I know we'll discuss him more in this program. But one of the things that he did say was that when he was away from the team, he had teammates telling him how good Jack Cohn looked. And I think that these guys behind the scenes knew that they had the potential to be special. And as you said, we had an opportunity to see some of that in fall camp, but until you show it in front of a 80,000 fans and a nationally televised audience, there's going to be some skepticism. But he was fabulous. He, he 
showed that he could make every throw on the field and he moved the ball with confidence and, and nice zip. And those two touchdown catches that Quintez had just caught him in stride, especially the second one. Jack delivered it perfectly right over his head. Quintez obviously made a nice reception, but all he had to do was put his hands up and it was right there. So Wisconsin has some quarterback play, that's for sure. They do. And yeah, we'll get to Quintez, but that catch, simply because in warmups, you'll see Ted Gilmore. In, they're not in full pads, they're just in helmets and shorts. And they're and all the wide receivers. Gilmore's just throwing bombs up in the air, and they have to catch it over their shoulder. Like you have to look up and just and and that was almost exactly what happened with Quintez on that play. But yeah, Jack, I know people were very uh, skeptical uh, of what we were saying about what we saw in practice, and they and then in the first game you don't see it, and people were, well, how do you have so much confidence that he's going to that he can hit those throws? And well. It's because we saw it in practice. I mean, it's not like we were just saying they told us he can do it. No, we actually saw him do it. And and I think the fact that he was able to carry that over to a game is huge. And it's and it is big going for it. I know Paul Chris was kinda like, Yeah, I don't you know, I'm putting stuff on tape for Michigan and that type of thing. But I think it, it does. It forces teams because they played him single coverage and the, the safety was late getting over on both of those. I don't know what the safety was even looking at. I'm assuming because I think the first one was play action. I think were they both play action? The first one certainly was, but the uh, you know the eyes are in the backfield because of old number twenty three back there, and it, it or even whoever it is, just because you run it as much as they do, that Quintez in a one on one matchup, even though he's not as fast as I think Kendrick Pryor say, he's got plenty of speed to beat guys in one on one. Oh, he beat his man on both instances. I, I rewatched both touchdown clips, um, and the first one he just jetted right down the left side and he beat his guy and the second one Jack delivered the ball I think I'm trying to think Quintez by the time it was a 46 yard touchdown pass the second one and by the time Quintez got to the 30 is when Jack threw the ball in the air Quintez already had a step on his man and by the time he caught the ball at about the nine it was all over the guy was flailing and he fell to the turf and so I think Quintez showed what his potential can be. And I mean, look, th- that he's doing it so soon is probably the most remarkable aspect. We, we've we talked before, and I know his teammates have talked, like I don't think there was any doubt that at some point he was going to be the player that he was before because we knew he'd spent time working out, but it was a matter of how long is this going to take? As Paul Chris said, uh, the offense, there's small changes. It's been two two seasons since he last played. He's working with a quarterback with uh, a guy he didn't really work with before. He's got to figure out the timing. And, and his teammates were saying how he was talking about how he was winded in that first week of practice. And yet here he is, two games in, he's the leading receiver. <laughs> so it's been pretty pretty impressive. But the thing about it is he's not the only one. Yeah. And Jack Cohn is, is delivering passes with precision. And I would also say I know there are probably some fans that are saying, well, it's Central Michigan. Wake me up when you do it against Michigan. Central Michigan is not a very good football team. But at the same time, if you can't enjoy and appreciate what just happened, uh, then I don't know what you can appreciate. Maybe it's a win against Michigan. <laughs> I will uh, take back my comment. Neither one were play action, both in the shotgun. But just the idea of potentially running out of the shotgun, which Wisconsin has done, maybe keeps some guys' eyes away from what Cephas is, what Cephas is doing. And certainly, again, that, that that's as good as a passing attack as we've seen probably since Russell Wilson. I mean, we can talk about the 2015, you know, Joel Stavi had back-to-back 300 game, yard games, but that was because they couldn't run the ball worth crap. You know, they had they had very they were not able to run the ball that much that year. This group has JT and yet throwing the ball down the field, KP making huge plays. Probably I went back and that watched watched the other deep ball that 
he almost had it. Was actually a really, really, really good play by the defensive back to get in there and rip the ball out. Otherwise, Jack Cohen three for three on those deep passes. I completely agree about when you start talking about that Russell Wilson 2011 season. It's also what I mentioned in my story is that I, I'm not. I'm not in, in no way are we saying that there's a comparison to be made with Russell Wilson. He's no, we'll, on the we'll leave the that to top. Laura, he's the creme de la creme. We'll leave that to Laura Rutledge <laughs> with Graham Mertz and, and Russell Wilson. <laughs> Having said that. It's the sheer volume of weapons. And, and that team we know, one of the most special ever, nine of the 11 starters became NFL draft picks. Yep. But it's the fact that you've got four wide receivers that you could legitimately count on and call upon at any moment. And obviously, Kendrick Pryor suffered an upper body injury. He did not play in the second half. So he only had two catches. But between that top four wide receiver group, they had, I think it was 19 catches for 287 yards and, and a couple touchdowns, some somewhere in there. And you've still got Jake Ferguson, who I think is certainly one of the best tight ends in the Big Ten already as a redshirt sophomore. And oh, by the way, Jonathan Taylor's catching passes. He's got three touchdown catches already. And at this point, through two games, he's already got a season high for his career in receiving yards. So there's just so many weapons, and you can still run the ball as well as Wisconsin is running. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Taylor on pace for 48 touchdowns in the regular season. You think he gets it? Ooh, he may miss it by a hair. <laughs> but at this rate, who could say? Right. And he's barely, I mean, he's touched the ball 40 times. He's got eight touchdowns. He's averaging a touchdown every five times he touches the ball. It's just an insane mark. And, and he hasn't played in the fourth quarter yet. You know? Like, it's it's been remarkable what he's been able to do. And the fact that, I mean, he wasn't even, I mean, he was nationally probably people thinking about he's the story. But I don't think in my mind he wasn't the story yesterday. Oh, no. Like, it was... Jack Cohen, it was Quintez Cephas, it was the defense, and then and then JT, probably probably fourth. Because it's something different. Like, right. We have come to expect these games from Jonathan Taylor. He was the story in the first game. The defense was too, but it was yeah. like, oh, look, he can catch passes, and that's a really big deal because we've been talking about it for two years. But we've seen what we can see, and, and it's almost like we're spoiled of oh, what we sure. have seen from Jonathan Taylor. You just expect these type of performances. Yeah. But absolutely, to me, the story was what Jack Cohen was able to do what the passing offense could do. I don't want to forget the defense. I'm sure we'll talk about yeah. them more because they have been absolutely fantastic. But to me, the story was, man, look at what they can do through the air. And if they can do that, how good can they be this season? Right. No, no doubt. Um, so before the, leading into the game, it, it, it happened late. I think it was Thursday that the the quotes from Central Michigan came out uh, and I thought it was pretty tepid in terms of trash talk from uh, uh, Jim McElwain and a few of the players, but it did um, at least get on the radar of at least one Badger, and that was Chris Orr, and he had a response to it, and we'll throw that in here now so you can hear exactly what he had to say. I would be lying if I said it didn't motivate us a little bit. All they did was add extra fire. We didn't really take it like too crazy, but it definitely, me personally, definitely for sure. So that is what he had to say about these comments from Jim McElwain. One was saying that they have no idea what is coming their way. Another guy said, everyone's talking about Wisconsin all, Wisconsin this, Wisconsin that. It should be Chippewas this, Chippewas that. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't throw down, we're going to go in there and we're going to upset them type of stuff. But you gave a team that really didn't need a ton of motivation considering what they were coming off of last year and added a little bit extra to it. And I it was just, I didn't understand it, but I love that... They're Wisconsin, like I think a lot of teams would be like, no, we didn't see it. We don't care. Who cares about that? That kind of crap doesn't matter. Chris Orr is not like that at all. He's like, nope. We took it. It was something we added to it. He certainly made it known on social media by posting on Twitter that 
Central Michigan was probably in for it. This is the way he put it. I think there were some not safe for work acronyms, yeah. <laughs> however you want to put it. But it was also humorous that after the game, you had some of the other current players retweeting, quote tweeting what was said. Um, and you're right. It, it was tepid, but like why wake a, a sleeping dragon, if you will? Like, <laughs> I mean, Central Michigan was not going to come in here and win. I understand that. They want to have confidence in themselves, but there's really no need to say much of anything. No, they're, they're, it was poor. It was a poor job on their part, and the fact that it got back to Wisconsin, I think, is, for the most part, Wisconsin doesn't get involved in that type of stuff. You don't you don't see them react to that type of stuff very often, but they did, and Chris Orr and everybody else enjoyed the heck out of uh, uh, showing. Jim McElwain and everybody else that it's uh, this is a different Wisconsin and this is not the same team that is going to struggle with some struggle with non-conference opponents which they did last year at times. I mean they're I mean yes they blew out they eventually blew out uh, Western Kentucky and the same thing with New Mexico State but it wasn't like like this. This was domination and the South Florida game domination from beginning to end. Graham Mertz got in in his first game. Everyone wanted to see the much hyped freshman quarterback and. Look, he missed his first pass. He almost fell down, he said. It was that was kind of funny. Uh, you, uh, before we go any further, uh, later in the show, I've got the best audio. We'll obviously have the Chris Orr clip in there, but the best audio from inside the postgame uh, availability. There's uh, a lot of really good stuff that came out of it. We'll have that later in the show. But Graham does talk about how he almost tripped over himself and almost fell to the ground on that first play when he was rolling to his left, and he came up short on a pass. But then after that, Four for four, first pass that he completed right over the middle to Aaron Cruikshank was an absolute dart. And, you know, he looked kind of what we had seen in fall camp. I thought he looked pretty darn good considering it was the first series of his college career and everyone's already anointing him as the greatest quarterback ever. And you're right. He had, he had a, it was third down. He had a great 19 yard completion over the middle to Aaron Cruikshank and he let a touchdown drive. Garrett Groshek polished it off with a two yard touchdown run. I think fans kind of got a taste. Um, but we should also note, you know, after the game, and you, you may play this as well, I asked Graham, you know, have you discussed plans with the coaching staff to potentially redshirt? And Graham is probably, Graham is going to give you an answer. Uh, you know, Graham is, is nothing if not a fantastic quote. And he, he said, I am redshirting now. He, he also said that this is not something that the coaching staff has straight up told him, but right. he also understands that he's got four games to work with. And I think he sees how well Jack Cohn is playing and how well entrenched Jack is as the starting quarterback. And, and I don't think anyone has any doubt about that. And so to me, it makes a lot of sense. And that's his approach this year. Having said that, if something were to change and they needed a different quarterback, that might change the circumstances. But right now his plan is to take a redshirt. And I don't think it is the worst scenario in the world. I think it's actually a great situation for Graham. Were you a little surprised that he was in the game? That's hard. That's hard to say. I, I a little because they put Chase in in the first game, and Graham just had his headset on, and it, to me, it just seemed like okay. Well, either they're going to save Graham for down the road, or they want to get Chase more reps. But they used both quarterbacks, and obviously, they've got to map this out. I don't know how many other instances there are going to be where there's basically the completely stress-free environment, and the game is whatever it was at that point, fifty something to nothing. Um, so if there was, there couldn't have been a better situation for him to get those reps, and I thought he played very well in the reps he got. Which begs the question: If Jack Cohen goes down, who's the starter? Who's who's goes in? Oh boy, how does I I I have no idea. Yeah. I legitimately have no idea because as you and I have discussed frequently at this point, they were Chase and Graham, 
to me, were so even because they could both move the ball in different ways that I don't think you could pick one or the other, which is why they were listed as co-backup quarterbacks. I think then, you know, you've got to make some serious evaluations at that point. I really believe both guys can give this offense an opportunity to win. Maybe you say Graham has the higher ceiling just because of the accolades that he has. But, you know, I feel like Chase has kind of been a dark horse ever since he got here. So... I think both of them could could lead this team, and I don't know that I have an answer for you. So yeah, I also wonder. I talked to Chase Wolf on Monday and asked him, like, did you know that it was going to be you against South Florida? He said, no, nope, didn't know going in. Was I had no idea. They didn't really tell us. And then we asked Graham afterwards, did you know it was going to be you this week? And he said yes. So um, either like I kind of feel like they probably did tell them last week before going into the South Florida game that who it was going to be, and uh, they did the same thing this week, but. Either way, I again, you're right. No idea, but Graham called themselves. I think he called them dual backups, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a good way to put it. I mean, I, if anything, if you're a fan, you have to look at this and go, "Man, th- those are three very talented quarterbacks." And can you ever remember a room where you could say, "You got three guys you could potentially have start"? That's pretty good. Uh, sold or not sold, Jesse? We'll get into this a little bit. This is the best wide receiver group in school history. We talked about this yesterday in the press box. Look, the reason I ask is because last going into last year, watching fall camp, even I mean, I should even say that, watching spring ball, watching fall camp, I thought it was. I thought it had a chance to be the best. And, you know, Quintez goes down or Quintez goes out with the suspension. Danny Davis is suspended for the first two games. Quarterback play wasn't, uh, you know, probably at the level that there it is right now. And it did not materialize. But through these first two games... The Fatal Four plus some looks pretty darn good. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, and I'll acknowledge that my first season covering this team was 2011, so I wasn't here when, like, Brandon Williams and Lee Evans, weren't they, were mm-hmm. they in the same yep. 2003. Uh, wide receiver core? But having said that, I mean, I have to say yes. You know, you Quintus Cephas is a clear-cut number one wide receiver, and to me, an NFL draft pick. I mean, that that is how good he is. You do not see that very often out of a Wisconsin wide receiver, obviously. And yet, Danny Davis and A.J. Taylor and Kendrick Pryor could all be that guy on a given game. And so it's just, it's it's like the sheer volume of weapons and it's also the amount of talent that you have there. And we saw it on full display against Central Michigan that one guy can get four catches, one can get six, one can get seven. It's just kind of unbelievable to see because we're not we're, we're not used to it. And so I, I think I would have to say that, yes, this is the most talented and best wide receiver group because they've got those four guys. Yeah, Fatal Four averaging close to uh, 15 catches through these two first two games. I mean, you know, they're at, they're I think they're at 29 between the four of them. So, and they're all getting looks. Like, it's not just one guy getting looks, you know what I mean? Like, I could see Quintez has obviously been the star. He's got nine catches, 169 yards in those two touchdowns. But A.J. Taylor has eight catches. Kendrick Pryor has six. Danny Davis has six. I mean, it's it, being Jake Ferguson has six. We can throw him in there, too. Like, it's been everybody getting their hands on the ball. And, yeah, I think it is. When you're able to not really see a huge drop-off from one to four, that's pretty good. Brandon, Brandon Williams, uh, Jonathan Orr, Lee Evans, Brandon, uh, Brandon White. Like, that group was, was pretty good. And I know Brandon Williams, and I talked to him about it. Like he, he'll take probably some offense to the idea that that isn't the best group, but because Lee Evans is the best receiver in school history, and Brandon put up you know a ton of big numbers. But from one to four, there hasn't been anything like this before, at least in my opinion. Speaking as someone who's watched Wisconsin football for thirty some odd years now, maybe there was a group before that point, but I, I highly doubt it. 
I don't think they were slinging it around back then. They weren't. And probably not with the same success. Yes. Uh, sold or not sold, this defense is on the same level as the five years prior to 2018. Sold or not sold. Well, since I don't want to hedge and I have to pick one or the other, I'll say sold. And you got called out on Twitter. I will say sold. I don't care. No, I'll, I'll say sold, even though I don't, I don't necessarily know the answer. I feel like I have more I don't know the answer how good the defense is because they haven't played the same level of competition, even though the offense also hasn't played the same level of competition. And you're starting to see some injuries. Scott Nelson starting safety now out for the season, which he announced on Twitter after the game. He didn't play in that game with a, a leg injury. You know, Isaiah Green may has been out, but obviously it didn't matter against Central Michigan. I'm more inclined to say soul just because, I mean, how, how much better could you possibly be through these two games? And, and as we've discussed, it's the depth at every level. Like Bryson Williams, their starting nose guard, doesn't play. You can put Keanu Benton in the game. He, his first career game, he has a four-snap sequence. He has two tackles uh, and a tackle for loss. And, and same, same with the linebackers. Like Mascalunas and Chanel play so well, and they're your reserve inside linebackers. Colin Wilder can come in at safety when you don't have Scott Nelson, and now you've got three fantastic safeties with him and Reggie Pearson and Eric Burrell. So... I think that they're closer to those teams than certainly what we saw last year. But, but I mean, I think this can be a top 10 defense, which is easy to say now because they're number one <laughs> in everything. But when it's all said and done, yeah. Yeah, they're the only team in the FBS to not allow a point so far here through the first two games. Um, so they are number one in scoring defense to get that going for them. But they've, and they've stopped the run. I think we talked about it in the, in the preseason about how big of a difference. That, that was the biggest difference between those four, that five years and last year, you had the stat about you know yards before contact, where it was like two something. Yeah, it was you know, two point one last year, and the year before it was zero point four. So I mean, that's almost two yards difference before you even touch the guy. Like, right? No wonder your defense isn't that great. Right. And so they've been able to do that and force you know teams into long situations, and they've been able to get to the quarterback too. I and mean, they they didn't pressure him nearly as well. I mean, you got to block Zach Bond if you if if you want to <laughs> if you want to. Um, have a shot, but you know they they got to the quarterback and, and flustered him a little bit, and you know there was like the interception that he threw was a result of a guy coming on a on a on, from the outside and getting close to him, and he got happy feet and he threw the ball up, and Jack Sanborn picked it off. I mean those those are the type of things that pressure can do. And we've seen the, from this defense more so than we saw it in the first two games, certainly the first two games uh, last year. Do you think this is going to yes. wind up a top five defense? Oh, I don't know, but I don't know. Like well, that's that's still a little bit much, but I, they are they are a top twenty defense for oh, sure. For sure, and I have that, no doubt about and that. And to me, that is like they were a top twenty defense for those first for the five years, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. They were a top five defense. You know, like there's a, there is a difference between what you know we saw in twenty fifteen and then what we saw in twenty sixteen and, and then even what we saw in twenty seventeen. Like that defense was insane. And can they be that group? Perhaps, but I know they are better than last year's group. There's no doubt about that. And so. Um, I'm willing to say that right now. Whether on the whether it will end up as a top five, we'll, I guess we'll see. You mentioned Scott Nelson's injury. He did uh, tweet that out. He is done for the year. Sold or not sold? Scott. Well, I don't even know if we need to ask this one. Scott Nelson's injury is a big deal. Yeah, I think is it, it is. Okay, how big of a deal is it? I mean, I, I I don't know because they do have some depth there. Yeah, it's less of a big deal because you happen to have a guy like Colin Wilder who can come in and. I mean, he got an interception in, in his first game, but he, he played at Houston like he had experience here, even though he hadn't played for Wisconsin. And so I still think it's a big deal because Nelson 
you know, he was what was he second on the team in pass breakups last year as a redshirt freshman and I thought played he was injured gonna, and played hurt through. He did. Yeah. And I thought he was going to be much better this season. I know we spent a lot of time with Jim Jim Leonard talking about being a better tackler. Certainly we saw he had some issues with that last year, but it's a deal, yeah. but it's not as big of a deal because of the talent that they have at safety. This is going to be a little bit uh, over the top question here, just because. Bring it on. Well, it's just because we we've come to expect so much from Wisconsin's running game. It did not look great yesterday for a variety of reasons. But sold or not sold, I'm concerned about the Wisconsin running game. Uh, I am not okay. Sold. You're but, so, you you have genuine concerns. Yeah. What, what are your concerns? My concerns are the negative yardage plays. The fact that, that was an issue certainly in the opener. Yeah, and they had and they didn't have as many yesterday, but there were a lot of two three yard gains. They averaged less than five yards carry uh, overall yesterday. Correct. Like they four, did four point something. But Jonathan averaged five point four, which isn't that's not Jonathan. For him, Taylor. It's not good. Right. For that's not Jonathan. That's not Jonathan Taylor type numbers. So you know, I I didn't think. Uh, it was great, and maybe that has to do with you know so many different guys playing too. I mean, they have, they have continued to rotate guys. They played without Logan Bruss at right tackle. David Mormon got the first start, his first start of his career at right tackle, and Tyler Beach played in there as well. They moved the guards in and out, um, but it, it felt like more tough sledding than than normal. And maybe that's why they threw for four hundred yards. But you know, a lot of teams have stacked the box as well as as much as they have. I don't think the offensive line, I don't think it has been as good um, as we're used to. Yeah, and it could be certainly masked by the fact. I guess concerned isn't the great word, right word. A potential right, issue. Do you have some questions? Do you have some questions remaining about the sold or not sold? There are some questions about Wisconsin's running game still out there. Yes, well, I, I'm, I'm yeah, going to be saying I, sold on that. I can't say I have no questions whatsoever. I mean, you're right. It's a new offensive line. And I thought it was interesting, though, that when we talked to Joe Rudolph, we, we have a chance to talk to the coordinators uh, each week, and he was asked about those negative yard rushing plays from week one against South Florida, and he did not seem to be overly concerned about it because he said, I mean, when you're in 11 personnel, it's much different. You can't really set the edges in the same way. And, I mean, not that they haven't been in 11 personnel before and completely rammed it down someone's throat, but he did not seem overly concerned about it. I do think there's something to be said for this offensive line actually playing together because they just they didn't very much you know you even though Colvin Landon and Tyler Biotic are fantastic linemen like they didn't practice very much they didn't in the spring and in the first few weeks of fall that we had an opportunity to see they didn't as well so the more those guys have an opportunity to get reps the better they'll be but yeah I mean negative yardage plays that's not something you associate with Wisconsin on the ground right uh 11 personnel obviously just one tight end and they don't have a lot of tight ends at this point, and usually they'd like to, and it's why Cormac Sampson was playing as the jumbo tight end. Um, I will say this about their running game. If they like a play, they're going to keep going to it. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, all three of his touchdowns were the exact same play on the goal line. Uh, with the two fullbacks in the game, Cormac Sampson, the, the jumbo tight end, along with Jake Ferguson on the right side, but they ran to the left side behind the two fullbacks, behind Cole Van Lannan, behind a pulling Jason Erdman, and then obviously a Cormac Sampson on that side, and it worked all four times right down on the goal line and, or excuse me, all three times. And then they went to the right side on uh, Nikia Watson's touchdown. So they, they ran the same play, but ran it the other way. And I asked Cole Van Lannan, I'm like, he goes, 
it works, we're going to go with it. We're going to keep going with it until they stop it. I'm like, all right, all right, it worked. Uh, sold or not sold, Wisconsin is the favorite now to win the Big Ten West. They were not the favorite before the year. Nebraska was the favorite, along with Iowa. They both got 14 first-place votes. Wisconsin got four. Right now, Wisconsin, I think it's hard to say they haven't been the most impressive team in the Big Ten West, but they also haven't played the most intense competition either. Are they the favorite? To me, they are. I certainly don't think... It's not Nebraska anymore. I certainly don't think you can say Nebraska. I understand that was a road game in Colorado, but like if you want to... That place was full of... Full. Yes. Full of like red. 30,000 Nebraska fans. Yes. That place was like, full of red in a stadium that only holds like 60,000. That's not how you show that you're the best team in the Big Ten West. Like, obviously, they've got, they've got a ways to go. Now, as we have discussed, they've got an easier path. We, we haven't do. even gotten into Big Ten play. I mean, Wisconsin's first game, even though Michigan... Did not play very well against Army. It took double overtime for them to win. Like they're a top ten team. They've got to go to Ohio State. All the other games that we know, but I feel like to me the top two teams so far are, are Wisconsin and Iowa. Um, Iowa won handily uh, in game two. The first one I think took a little while to get going, but Iowa's got to come here. So yeah, I think it is Wisconsin. I re- I really do. Like we've been talking about how wide open this West Division is, as wide open as we've ever seen, and that probably will still be the case. But Wisconsin is to me. Much further along, much sooner than I anticipated, and, and I think a lot of people anticipated. I, I, I feel like the Badgers were, despite opening the season in the top 20, somehow an underrated college football team coming into this season. All right, a new segment that we're going to be doing every week. Going to be taking you inside the post-game scene to hear directly from Coach Paul Christ and the players about the game and the biggest stories that are coming out of it. Uh, we'll start this week with quarterback Jack Conesever. Junior had 363 yards, three touchdowns, catching some fans off guard, but not his left tackle, Cole Van Lannon. People aren't surprised about that, but we knew coming in like Jack's our QB, and it's his turn now. We've been seeing this in practice. Yeah, there's a QB battle and stuff, but... He's very patient, he's, he's versatile, like, smart with the football, and now I get to show that on the field. And I think you guys are seeing that today. Like, people were getting that with 10 yards last week, but look at the score. Like It doesn't matter about all the passing yards, but like this week we threw a lot more. And look at what he had. You know, He's had a really good game, and you know that's Jack. And I'm really happy to block for him, and he showed why we trust him so much today. Making Cone's job that much easier, the play from the Badgers wide receivers, the top four of Quintez Cephas, Danny Davis, A.J. Taylor, Kendrick Pryor, the fatal four as they've been known to be called, have combined for 29 catches through the first two weeks. Taylor said what they've done so far is just confirmation of what they thought they could. We knew we had it in us, but, you know, to see it happen is, is phenomenal. we got to just keep it going, you know, and keep the foot on the pedal. As we asked earlier in the show, is this the best wide receiver group Wisconsin has ever had? Jonathan Taylor gave his answer. You know, I, I talked about a lot in the offseason. I haven't seen a receiving core um, in Wisconsin like this in a long time. Uh, probably ever. I mean, this this receiving card, you guys can see, everyone's explosive, everyone's making plays, and I feel like that's going to be huge for us uh, moving forward this season. Cephas uh, was the one that had the Monster Day Saturday, caught six passes, 130 yards, two touchdowns. That was his second 100-yard game, his first two scores uh, since a knee injury kept him out of the final five games of that 2017 season, obviously missed all of last year while suspended. That he's hit the ground running is what's impressive to Cone. Yeah, I'd say it's just amazing, like how unrusty he is. If that makes sense, like <laughs> you'd think a person that's sat out that long wouldn't be as good right away coming back, but if, I feel like he hasn't missed a beat, so it's it's been awesome to have him. Linebacker Chris Orr, one of Sevis's friends on the team, says the wide receiver helping them on and off the field. Joy, uh, energy, definitely an energy. Um, 
that he just naturally possesses. You know, when you see Quintez's big smile, you, you can't help but to get happy, you know, knowing everything that he's been through for the fact, over the past few years. Um, but also just on the field, man, a, a spark. You saw it today. Uh, another big, big-time threat on the offense. You know, and that, that'll do nothing but help us be better as a team. <laughs> Overall, offense has scored 110 points, ranked 7th in the country in scoring. This was the type of offense everyone was expecting last year. Obviously, did not develop that way, but it's also the type of offense players, including Graham Mertz, expected when practice started this fall. 100%. That was, that was from the start of fall camp. We knew that we were going to be that type of offense, and we knew that not a lot of people would be expecting that, but... We got the guys to do it. And I think that that showed, and we have a our receiving core could be very, very good, <laughs> as it showed. Wisconsin had their second straight shutout, first time since 2013 that they've kept teams off the board in back-to-back games, he, helping add a little motivation to get it done. Central Michigan coach Jim McElwain, as well as a few of his players, they had some quotes that uh, I guess could be construed as trash talk. It got back to the Badgers, including Chris Orr. I would be lying if I said it didn't motivate us a little bit. Um, all they did was add extra fire. We didn't really take it like too crazy, but it definitely, me personally, definitely for sure. Anybody else? Because it felt, it seemed like a lot of guys retweeted and favorited it. It was pretty well known throughout the team, you think? Yeah, it was pretty well known. I would say that. Um, we definitely just wanted to, you know, show the whole, we, we more so wanted to show the whole nation that, you know, when you come to Camp Randall, well, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get a physical game. You're going to get physically worn down. You're going to get beaten. And it's going to be really, really, really hard for you to move the ball. Wisconsin's effort uh, these first two weeks been exactly what Orr and the rest of the Badgers were aiming for after that disappointing 2018. No, we, we definitely didn't have any doubt in ourselves going into this. That's the kind of the mindset that we wanted to have. We don't want to come out fast, come out landing the first punch. Uh, offense, defense, and special teams. You know, we want to jump out on everybody. We want to show them who we are, show them who the 2019 Badgers are. And we, we, we truly live by that. We worked, we worked by that all summer, all winter, all spring, and it's just, it's just coming together. Now people can just see it now, we, but we've been on this. One surprise, though, on the day was the debut of Mertz. Much-hyped quarterback entered in the third quarter, led what would be the last touchdown drive of the game for Wisconsin, Coach Paul Christ. If the circumstances were right, wanted to get him in, and, and fortunately they were. And, you know, the, the value of just playing those first snaps, and, and certainly, you know, Graham had his today, and, and I don't know if we had some others. But, you know, I mean, that's a big deal. And, and first snaps, and then first passes, all those things, you know, and, so those are those are good to get, and I thought he did some good stuff with it, and and uh, it's important. After the game, though, Mertz made clear that his expectation still is that he'll redshirt this year, meaning he can play up to three more games. Yeah, they said that really, like, to use those four would be pretty sweet, and um, I'm, I am redshirting, so it's more just getting my opportunity in those four games to develop. You are for sure, no matter what? Hopefully. Or I, I'm guessing that's what it is. Not <laughs> hopefully. Not, I was just saying. They haven't told you that? Or? No, most likely, though. Some have expressed a concern that Mertz is going to leave after the year if he isn't the starter, but it appears he's on board with the Badgers' plan right now. I was really just kind of riding the wave. Whatever came my way, I was, I was ready for it, and uh, whatever, whatever their plan is, I'm, I'm down for it. So I think that that will be good with my development and my experience, and if that's what they want, then that's what I want. <laughs> now, what happens if Cone gets hurt? Uh, no one quite sure, but Merch says him and Chase Wolf get to be ready. Yeah, I think I think that it's more of just like a, like a dual backup thing right now. It's more of just getting us both experience for when the team times needed, and I know that 
he's a great quarterback and we're best friends like we're roommates every single time we travel and that's my guy is my best friend so it's great to see him him succeed jack succeed succeed and all of us just have a great time after two easy games, things figure to get a little bit more difficult. In two weeks, when number 10 Michigan comes to town, or says the Badgers are going to be ready. You know, you start Big Ten play, you know, the atmosphere of games are a little different. You know, it's definitely you know, a, a little bit more physical team. I'm not going to Central Michigan or South Florida, but, you know, just as far as depth-wise, you know, in a Power 5 conference. Um, but it's definitely going to be fun. You know, we, we can't wait to show everybody, you know, who we are. Time to get into uh, some of our Twitter questions. Uh, we'll start with uh, Mark here. He asks, any lingering injuries that could potentially hurt uh, Wisconsin heading into the Michigan game, other than, obviously, Scott Nelson, of course? Well, we don't, as we're discussing this, don't know the status of Kendrick Pryor. And- I, I will add to that, though. He was back out on the sideline in the second half and dancing around to jump around. So I don't know if it was overly serious. Yeah. But, yes, we don't know the exact status of him. At Scott, the same Nelson time, was, Scott Nelson was out there too, exactly. walking around. And I said before, he doesn't look like he has much of a limp out there, Jesse. Exactly. So sometimes it's hard to tell. And yes. Scott actually talked to us after the South Florida game. Like we had right. no idea he was hurt. And yet it turned out he wasn't going to play again this season. Um, in terms of the other injuries, I, Isaiah Green May, I just. He had, a, I think, he had a wrap on his right hand that looked like, uh, kind of looked like some the same thing that Jake Ferguson was wearing, you know, because Jake had those torn ligaments in his in his thumb during fall camp. I mean, he didn't really miss any time, but it looked like uh, Isaiah Green May had that same similar wrap on his right uh, right hand. Yeah, and I th- I think he can obviously his his pass rushing ability has a chance to be special. Now it's great you've got someone like Noah Burks that you can plug in, but you want to be as healthy as possible. I mean, we. We don't know the long-term status of all these guys because all we do is we get a preliminary injury report on Monday. We get a final injury report for that game on Thursday, and the severity is is unknown to us. But and there's a whole lot of names that are actually that are hurt that aren't actually on that list. That does tend to happen on occasion. So those are the guys. I'm I'm really interested to see if and when Xander Neville comes back. Just you know what what would he provide? Don't know the timeline on that, but the fact that he's back with the team practicing in some capacity, I think, could be big because as we've discussed, they could use some tight end depth. They could. I probably should have gone with this to start it out just because uh, I got a, quite a few of them. Funny, um, how bad would Wisconsin beat Bama and Clemson? 20 points by 20 points or more? Um, where is the national championship game? Forget tanking for Tua and losing for Lawrence. Are the Dolphins now cratering for Cone? Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there, there are a couple other ones in here. Uh, so college football playoff, Jesse, you already calling for it? I don't see how they don't. Yeah. Don't put that, put that on the audio highlight. <laughs> Joe wants to know, was that the most dominant Badger win in history, at least the last 40 years? Well, they beat the snot out of Temple. They did. Temple and, game was 65 to nothing, and it was not that close. And Temple had 45 yards of total offense, and yep. uh, so Central Michigan blew Temple out of the water because the Chippewas had 58 yards of total offense. But those, I would think, would be the top two. I mean, those are the, the fewest yards Wisconsin has ever allowed in a game. So... It, those those two games, yep. so that has, that has to be the top two, right? The difference. I mean, they beat Indiana eighty three to twenty. Like that was insane. They did. <laughs> uh, there's yeah. Going back and so I had the record book out quite a bit yesterday, looking uh, to try and figure stuff out. But I did actually end up being able to find um, the yardage difference. You know, was that the greatest yardage difference between how much Wisconsin put up and how much how little the other team put up? And it was. I mean, five hundred and forty one yard difference between Wisconsin 
and uh, and Central Michigan, which was the biggest. That Temple game, they had a special teams. Uh, Brandon, speaking of Brandon Williams, had a punt return for a touchdown that game, but it was sixty-five to nothing. Temple could not move the ball. Wisconsin, I think, put up close to five hundred yards of offense, but it wasn't five forty-one uh, in terms of the difference between it. So it was probably the most dominant effort by a Wisconsin team that I can remember. It's the most dominant I've seen. From, I don't, from start I, to finish. Yeah. I mean, then they've had some other big big shutouts. You know, they opened the 2013 season with back-to-back shutouts, but that was against UMass and Tennessee Tech, and those were 45 nothing, 48 nothing. So yeah. the way they did it is just it's very impressive. Yeah. Cody wants to know, uh, he has confidence in the run defense, as we talked about, and that it can be good enough to stop good teams, but has lingering concerns about the pass defense. Is he being overly critical? At this point, yeah. I mean, I I know that early in the South Florida game, there were a couple of opportunities that the Bulls could have taken advantage of, and they didn't. But I'm looking at quarterback numbers, and you know, Blake Barnett had well, he was 13 for 30, and the quarterbacks at, at Central Michigan, despite the fact that they tried to rotate two different guys to get something going, combined to go nine for 24. So it's pathetic. There there hasn't been a touchdown pass, obviously, and there's been four interceptions. So. I think there is the potential for some concern against sure. better teams, obviously. But right now, it's hard for me to sit here and say, like, this is my biggest concern because no one has managed to do anything. And they haven't thrown the ball down the field either. I mean, neither team, South Florida or Central Michigan, has tr- has tested them down the field to an extent, like like deep down the field. There haven't been a lot. Of, there have been deep shots down the field, and I think there could be that's that'd be my one concern. But again, you know, it's just. We don't have anything to base it on at this right. point. So all we have to go on is complete domination against inferior competition. Right. Uh, Zach, uh, excuse me. Shytown Cheesehead wants to know: Could this be the most lopsided win for the Badgers versus Michigan ever? How many touchdowns for JT against the, <laughs> the Wolverines? I don't have the the history of every game played between the two programs. I'm not ready to, to yeah. say that yet. I maybe this is like fool's gold or something i mean you're looking at that michigan game going god they should have lost to army and at the same time that doesn't necessarily mean that wisconsin is going to blow out the wolverines i mean if it happens and i think we've got a much different discussion on this show like if they can do that then i think they're in much better position in everyone's eyes but yeah look it's going to be it's a huge game michigan has not played well their first two weeks especially against army but Army's a tough team to deal with, but I would, you know, I would, I would say the offense you would have to be a little bit concerned if you're Michigan. I mean, Shea Patterson has not played very well, and it's not like Army is known for their defense. But they, again, we were kind of surprised when we went and looked, you know, where Army was. They were receiving votes last week mm-hmm. in in the AP poll, so it's not like they were a complete trash team. But Michigan did not play at the level I think a lot of people thought it would be um, heading into this season. I mean, this season they they were favorites to win the Big Ten. I don't think anybody would pick them as the favorites to win the Big Ten right now. I think clearly, I think Ohio State would probably be most people's choice, especially after what they did to Cincinnati. So um, we'll go with uh, <laughs> we'll go with the same uh, same guy. What reserves played well versus Central Michigan? And do you think increased playing time is, is possible in the immediate future? I think the two inside linebackers once again stood out. They have they're back to having the type of depth that they had a couple years ago at inside linebacker. I mean, it's insane what they can throw on the field right now. Yeah, those are those are those are two guys. Keanu Benton, I feel like oh, I mean, sometimes sure. the nose guard gets lost a little bit, but he had another tackle for loss. I mean, sometimes you just the nose guard gets lost in the shuffle because he's just occupying two dudes, so other guys can can roam free. But I think the defensively, it's the younger guys are, have stood out 
yeah. quite a bit. And Chanel and Mascalunas, they're your Mascalunas is your leading tackler at this point <laughs> through the season, and it's pretty close. But Chanel is obviously very special too. Yes, uh, we de- keeping track of the freshmen that have played. Obviously, Leo Chanel and. Keanu Benton have played in both games. Yeah. Graham Mertz made his debut. We did not see Samar Melvin yesterday. Clay Cundiff got into the game, which was a little bit of a surprise. I don't know how much he actually ended up playing, but uh, he got in and uh, the tight end, and maybe he, maybe he's able to give them something here later on. I mean, I, it's about the reps, right? Like that's what Paul Chris talked about with the reps about Graham Mertz, about the experience, getting the experience. Well, maybe getting Clay Cundiff some experience now, he's able to help you later on and potentially. Give you so you do have another tight end that you don't have to use a, a jumbo tight end here at some point. But I think Xander Neville is obviously the, at some point getting him back. That because we know what kind of a run blocker he is, he's an oppor- he has an opportunity to do away with a jumbo tight end, correct? I mean, without oh, needing yeah. it, definitely because he's, he's he, versatile, he can block and catch. He was the only reason his injury was the reason they went to the jumbo tight end, right? In late 2017, yeah. I don't. I wouldn't expect Clay to exceed that four game threshold, but I. I we didn't we'll think Rashad Wild Goose would would do it either. That's at this true. Point. I mean, that's he hadn't true. played at this point last year. Um, that is absolutely true. I, I did think Clay. I mean, he got some serious opportunities during fall camp when we had an opportunity to watch because there were some practices where they legitimately, despite having nine tight ends on the roster, had three healthy tight ends, and he yeah. was getting reps, very good reps during scrimmages. And he's, I think, he's an excellent pass catcher, and that's certainly one of the things that stood out about him as a high school player, but. At this point, I would be surprised, but they also need some tight end help. So if they if if it takes longer for Xander Neville to come back, maybe they go in a different direction. Obviously, South Jersey Pete says, uh, "Does putting Mertz in mean he's the clear number two? I think we've already talked about that. Why only one drive? Yeah, that was a little bit surprising to me because I thought if you want him to gain that experience, and he's he's already used one of the games, like why not let him finish it off? Even because that was a really good first series other than you want chase to get those reps too and i was a little surprised by that i'll say that but they are sort of 2a and 2b at this point in the quarterback room also a little surprised uh why keep the starters in so long yeah i that was a little bit surprising to me as well i <laughs> every think time, we were talking about that every time they went out for another possession and you saw jt you're like what it, what what what's what's going on here it's 50 something to nothing why is he still in the game he got 100 yards rushing he did and I've never considered Paul Chris that type of guy, but I feel like maybe it wasn't his his call. Maybe that's John Settle doing that. But <sighs> well, Jack Cohn was still out there too. I don't understand it. I didn't understand it. I don't know. I I almost look at it like it's a tune up. It was a it, uh, yes. Anytime you play football, you risk the chance for injury. But like if that's the case, you know <laughs> why put these guys out there ever? It's a it's See, a. But that's that's a, that's that's fine when it's twenty one to nothing and it's the third quarter, okay? Because that's that's not a blowout. That's you're up comfortably. But no, it was fifty one to nothing at that point. I think Paul looks at it as some of these like these drives still matter, and if you're gonna. You're going to play Michigan in two weeks. Like you're not playing a game next week. That Michigan game is is absolutely huge. And yeah, there is a chance for injury, but you want to be clicking in every way you can. It's just like why why did he call the timeout when they're up forty four to nothing wanted, with what he wanted them to have an opportunity to do a two minute drill? Right. Well, that has nothing to do with the outcome of the Central Michigan game. But in two weeks, when they play Michigan, that might absolutely actually matter. That's why Paul was like. Not very pleased with the way that drive ended. They missed a 51-yard field goal, even though I thought Jack moved the ball very well. He had three passes, pass completions to get him. He did take a sack. Took the sack, Can't do that. But, like, you know, in the limited time frame, I thought thought they did a reasonable job. But, like, 
I look at it like that is it's for the future. It's not for this moment. Yeah. You're risking something with the best running back in college football at the same time. He's looking at the bigger picture in that way. I understand. You can also look at the bigger picture and say, these guys don't need to play. Well, they had six touchdowns at that point already. You know what I mean? Like it was felt like they had done plenty. Uh, but even then, I mean, Tyler Bionich was working into the fourth quarter. I think some of that may have been a result of not having a ton of depth on the offensive line. I mean, they, they did not dress a ton of guys yesterday, offensive line wise. And, um, the, I mean, who are you going to throw in there? Not wanting to burn a game or two with Joe Tipman or Logan Brown. Both of those guys dressed, but neither played. And so you're having to, I mean, I think Sam, Cormac Sampson, may have, he played tight end and he played center. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, they're, they're moving guys around. The injuries there are starting to, are leading to these other guys having to play a little bit longer than perhaps we thought they would. Good, uh, good time for a bye week? No. <laughs> two games into the season, I know that you have to have two two bye weeks at this point, but yeah. Any anybody will say that uh, whenever the bye comes, it's a good time because they have no say over it. But I think a lot of us are sort of like, keep that thing rolling. Like, let's yeah. see where they can go. But look, both teams have a bye. Michigan has a bye, so it's fair, it's even, and what a way to dive into Big Ten play. I think Wisconsin will be favored in that game. I know going into the season they weren't. I haven't seen a line. Maybe I should look at the line, but I. I wouldn't be surprised if they're favored. I don't think I'd be surprised either based on the, the first two weeks. Yeah, we'll not see. Not that that means anything. Right. Uh, we The Badgers have a bye week. We will not. We will be back next Monday. Uh, we've got, uh, we're have got. we going to be chatting with... Austin Meek. Thank my you. My colleague from The Athletic. He covers the Michigan Wolverines, and so we'll be getting some insight on Michigan. Yes, we will. And we'll also be giving away tickets to the Michigan game. Again, all you have to do is follow the uh, Twitter account, our camp Twitter account. It's the underscore camp underscore wy and uh we'll be giving i'll be doing a trivia question during the show next week and if you answer it first if you're first one to answer it to that twitter account you'll get uh, two tickets to the uh, wisconsin and michigan game jesse thank you very much thanks zach all right you've been listening to the camp here on the wisconsin sports zone radio network